We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Spilling the, tea, the LT. My name is Lisa Shulgin, and I'm one of the attorneys at Lawyer's Title, and I am thrilled today to have the guests that we have. Um, first, I want to introduce Jeff, who is I'm Lisa. new to the whole podcast world. Very so new. we're so happy that you're here. So Jeff, introduce yourself and tell us who you brought with us. With I will. I'm Jeff Rader with Lawyer's Title, uh, and I'm pleased to have my friend Craig Sheaf, who's the founder, CEO, chairman <laughs> at Texas Security Bank. Um, Craig, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I don't know if you if you noticed our the title of our podcast is Spilling the LT. Yeah, that's what's that all about. So it was a new term to me as well that one somebody younger told me about. Mm -hmm. Spilling the T means we're gonna we're gonna talk about or gossip or get into uh, depth okay. on something. So we are gonna spill some LT. Craig and I knew that. All along. Well, so there you go. There you go. So let's start spilling some right. LT. Um, let's start with a little history of Craig. Tell me, you weren't a banker when you were born. When did you decide you wanted to be a banker? Well, that's a good question. Um, uh, I grew up uh, really all over the country until about 1974. My father was a civil engineer, and we moved to Texas because plenty of construction work. Uh, I graduated from Plano High School and uh, went to college at... Uh, uh, regional Division II University in Oklahoma called East Central, Go Tigers, and uh, got a degree in marketing. And I knew after I got my degree in marketing, I wanted to get into some type of technical sales. I uh, had done well in business classes in my undergraduate in finance and accounting. And I knew I was going to have to pay for my own uh, master's degree. So I went to the placement office at UNT and saw who was hiring and who had the highest placement rates and, and good salaries and, uh, you know, latched on to banking because banking is kind of technical sales. And then from there, uh, I went to work for First Interstate Bank, which was the predecessor to what we know now as Wells Fargo in, yeah. in Texas. And I spent about 15 years with that organization, then had an opportunity to go to work. Uh, for a regional bank that had come into Texas and bought up a number of independent uh, community banks. And uh, then in, in 2008, uh, embarked on starting a new bank. And how many employees did you have in 2008? Seven. And how many do you have now? We have 85. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. Wow. So you've True. really built up a big, a big business. That's wonderful. Well, uh, you know, the, when I was working at bank at, at this regional bank, I fell in love with it because I was dealing with true entrepreneurs, smaller businesses. My, at my previous job at Wells Fargo, we were dealing with what they call middle market companies, which are companies from 50 to 500. So they're bigger, more sophisticated. They have a CFO that's hired by the owner of the board and a CEO that's hired and they have business backgrounds. And when I w went to work for, well, I'll just say Bank of Texas, 
um, fell in love with it because these banks that they bought that they asked me to run were full of businesses that were smaller businesses because these were smaller banks. Mm -hmm. And was shocked to realize that the majority of these entrepreneurs, business owners, if they had a college degree, if um, it usually wasn't in one of the, the business disciplines like management, accounting or whatever. And um, so they were starved for information. And um, the other thing that I really gained an appreciation for, you know, I had classes in my undergraduate and uh, graduate work that uh, was in economics. And so I understood the concept of entrepreneurship and free enterprise. Um, but to hear their stories yeah. really just inspired me of, you know, um, people sacrificing um, their wealth but, or what the, their savings, um, working um, incredible hours, taking significant risks. Mm -hmm. And I felt as a group, they weren't necessarily appreciated. They get demonized when they are successful. So for every business owner that's made it to become, let's say, a top one percenter, which doesn't take much, honestly, in my opinion, um, there's 10 or 100 <laughs> that didn't make it. And so the yeah. other side of profit is loss. And so people just don't, in my opinion, don't generally appreciate what it takes to create a business. And then you, you look at what they contribute in terms of, uh, and you touched on it, uh, uh, job. 80% of the job creation uh, in this country comes from new businesses or businesses less than 50, 50 employees. Yeah. So, and if you were to add up all the taxes that gets paid by these businesses, the people they employ, it's three quarters to 80% of the tax receipts into the treasury. So they really are, you know, as uh, Winston Churchill said, um, the champions of free enterprise really are the strong horse that pulls the whole cart. And so that really is what uh, uh, created the, the idea for the bank. What if we had a bank that focused on uh, uh, owner-managed businesses, champions of free enterprise? And our product offering and the product offering and service offering was all geared towards these types of businesses. We could add value through, like you guys do, uh, through education um, and uh, you know product offering that was really geared towards their needs. So that was the idea behind the bank. Um, well, you're growing like wildfire. What portion of that growth would you attribute to the real estate part of your bank? Yeah, so if you were to look at our portfolio last year, actually uh, a fair bit, um, about 60% of our uh, portfolio is what we call commercial industrial. Uh, and about half of, half of, the, uh, of the commercial industrial is owner-occupied real estate. So it's an operating company business owner who's bought a building, leases it to the business. Um, and then about 30% is what we call uh, pure commercial real estate, right. invest, investment uh, real estate. And then 10% is residential mortgages, mm -hmm. about 10% is residential hmm. mortgages. You know, you we were visiting a few minutes ago before we started, and you were talking about all the education that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I think is really hard for realtors to understand is when they are an entrepreneurial business, 
and they're practicing real estate, you know, there's two sides to it. They can be an expert in real estate, but they may not be an expert in managing and running their business. Sure. Yeah. So it sounds like you have some of those resources that we do. that could help them. Yeah. And we run into that a lot of time. Attorneys. There's a difference between being an attorney and um, understanding how to run a law firm, right. uh, an, an, an enterprise. We deal with doctors, with dentists. Um, uh, uh, and so, so yes, we recognize that as a need. And so we do th three things kind of in the educational area. And we have an executive director of education, a lady named Tamil McQuaid, does a fantastic job. The first part is ongoing education for our bankers on how to run a business. Mm -hmm. um, so that when they meet with a business owner and they're talking about issues that the business owner is dealing with, um, they can be a resource or point them to a resource to help solve that problem. So we go through a bi-weekly, um, it's in a lunch and learn format, <coughs> bi-weekly training. We have a curriculum uh, and, um, you know, we'll talk about um, how do you run a collections department? Mm -hmm. um, uh, how, do you, how do you manage a group of salespeople, cybersecurity, you know, all, all the things that business owners deal with. And over time, those bankers are going to accumulate some knowledge so that they can have a rich value-added conversation uh, with the business owner. And then the second thing that we do is what's called our uh, business speaker series. And it's once a month. It's on, uh, it's, it's a, a virtual platform. And so we'll have, uh, on average, and this was different during kind of the paycheck protection um, uh, training that we did, but we'll have, you know, 60 to 80 business owners and their key players um, accessing that. So from a business development standpoint, when we're out calling on business owners, we want to, our goal is to get them plugged into some of our training. And that's the easiest one for them to do. And it's all a cart training. So people get a, uh, uh, an email saying, hey, this month's training is this, and they can, you know, plug into it or not. And also, um, uh, we have a fairly large following on, on social media, on Facebook and, and LinkedIn and whatnot. So check us out on LinkedIn, connect to us on LinkedIn, and you'll in, we post those, those um, uh, speaker series training uh, on, on social media. And then the third is uh, one that we make a significant investment in each year, and it's called the TSB Academy, and it's structured like an executive MBA. It's one year. Uh, about 50 hours of class classroom time. It's in person, and we have um, um, subject matter experts on all areas of running a business that provide training in in different different areas. And a lot of business owners love it, not only for themselves, but they have people owner managed businesses. That have, you're either going to do two things if you own a business. At the end of the day, you're either going to build a succession plan. We provide training on how to do that, uh, or you're going to sell the business, and how do you prepare it to sell? Mm -hmm. And either of those things really need to t start taking place six to eight years before that that event. Most business owners uh, wait wait too long, um, and so um, you know that was you know our mission statement is to elevate the champions of free enterprise, and and we elevate the champions of free enterprise by helping educate you know, as best we can uh, and use our platform as best we can to show appreciation for what they contribute 
um, but we also ele uh, elevate them through our education. So. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, I've been fortunate enough to know Morgan, Megan, Libby, Denise, mm -hmm. and they do a wonderful job. They do. Where do they generate their leads for those kinds of loans and refis that they're doing? Well, um, what what's that? That is a real special uh, department within our organization because they do so many things right and they're so productive. When you look at business development, the the, the goal of any business development effort really should be that business comes to you. That's right. your goal, for That's sure. That's your goal. You don't always start out that way. So um, we we never had as an original business plan uh, the idea of having residential mortgages, but we started in May of 08. And if you remember what May of 08 looked like, um, it was a mortgage crisis. Yeah. And, it, the, 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 and so there, we had all these shareholders and customers and prospects trying to get a mortgage from somewhere. And we... And, and uh, our chief lending officer and founder, Chris Jones, and I were trying to do it. Big mess. And so we had, uh, Chris had a good friend, uh, a friend of his from college named Libby Smith, who had, had been on both sides of mortgage, both the wholesale side, um, and also she had her own, own mortgage business. So we were always on the phone asking her questions. How do you do this? How do you do this? And Chris came to me and said, why don't we just hire her? I said, done. So we hired her and- <laughs> She's and, great. And so um, initially I think they got a lot of leads from our commercial bankers because we're dealing with business owners. If, if you don't have W-2 income, mm -hmm. it's gotten harder and harder to get a residential mortgage. Right. And we deal with that daily in terms of uh, underwriting tax returns and K-1 income. And so there was a natural fit uh, for us, so uh, in, in a lot of business from from Libby's existing customers, but what I would say about them is they do such an amazing job. They they get referrals mm -hmm. with yeah. they they do no marketing at all. Referrals from our bankers and uh, doing a good job. Um, they're not out there beating the streets or anything like that. It comes to them, and they you know uh, they make a significant contribution to the overall oh. profitability of our bank. Yeah, that's great. And they're very nice ladies. They are. They are. Um, so what's sort of your wheelhouse in terms of uh, the commercial size loans you can do um, and the residential limits you may have uh, yeah. versus when you just started, maybe? Well, as a bank grows, it starts to accumulate more and more capital. And from a regulator <clears throat> standpoint, um, the... the we have a, a legal lending limit based on our capital size. Today, our legal lending limit is somewhere around $20 million to any okay. one borrower. Um, we have an in-house limit that's roughly 80% of, of uh, our legal lending limit. But in terms of our wheelhouse, I would, say, I, I would say from very, very small, we, we, have, we, we love entrepreneurs. Um, we... Uh, there's a lot of our customers who have revenues less than a million. Mm -hmm. And so small loans and getting people, help, helping people getting started. Um, so that's, that is a focus of ours. Um, but 
I would say our average is three, four million dollars in credit on the residential mortgage size. We've, we've done very small to very, very large mortgages. Mm -hmm. um, we've never reached our in-house limit on any one more, any one residential mortgage. That's yeah. a big home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, happen. Wait, three or four, three right. or four million dollars is, is kind of on average. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, maybe just talk about overall, what kind of real estate services do you provide? Yeah. Um, so, uh, our focus is commercial industrial. Um, uh, it, it, it's a different risk profile than commercial real estate. And uh, typically the types of real estate that we do are on the investor real estate side. Um, uh, we don't do a lot of uh, uh, construction development. We do some. Um, it's usually existing cash flow. A lot of times it's investments that our business owners have. They want to buy uh, a self-storage facility, or they want to buy an apartment, or they want to buy uh, office warehouse uh, stuff. Um, th that's typically the type of real estate that we do. Um, uh, there are banks out there that on the risk continu continuum maybe are a little bit farther out and are willing to take some speculative risk in terms of lease-up risk and construction management risk. Um, we, we tend to stick to existing real estate. Gotcha. Um, I know you're proud of your team and the team you've built, and yeah. you should be. Yeah. Um, you know how how do you how do you maintain that quality? What what's your secret? Well, um, I would say that that in running a business, it really kind of starts with the mission, vision, and values. Um, when if you're trying to create what I would call a life giving culture. Um, those things have to exist. And the mission has to be, uh, I think, come directly from the CEO. And it has to uh, have a certain level of virtue to it uh, that gives people a reason uh, to, get, to get out of bed in the morning. Okay. And um, then the values are, have to be really critical. And we have a set of core values. And we have some ways that we reinforce that. It starts with your hiring process. Nobody's going to be 100% on the hiring process. But your coaching and, and your personnel development have to be driven um, by, hey, this is a set of core values that we have. If, if we're deviating, um, you know, it's a coaching opportunity. Um, so I think getting a good culture starts really at the top in terms of how you hire people what your mission statement is, what, what, what your uh, core values are, and then how do you uh, incent people uh, and coach people in that, in that direction and really make the core values um, uh, um, a common topic in conversation. When we're doing performance reviews, we do things called quarterly conversations with each one of our, our team members and we're talking about the values. We open every standing meeting that we have, whether it's a, a loan committee meeting, whether it's a leaders, weekly leadership meeting, promoting one of the values. Uh, our value this month is growth. Um, we, we value growth and we, we value people who um, take ownership of their, their own career. And so somebody's gonna be promoting a value in that meeting 
and we usually give an example or an antidote. It's kind of, to, to some people, it may be, oh, it's kind of weird. Um, but little things like that that help help build a cult, culture. Right. So. Huh. Speaking of growth, you've got three or four branches now? Yeah, we have our first location uh, is was in the design district. We tend to go into trade areas that are underserved uh, from a from a banking standpoint, um, but but have high density of commercial industrial businesses. So our first, which is on uh, in the design district on Irving Boulevard and Turtle Creek, if you think about the Stemmons corridor, mm -hmm. high concentration of commercial industrial businesses. Our second locations in Garland. Um, so you can think of what the Garland business trade area looks like. And then our third is in um, uh, on Beltline and Webb Chapel. So the Valwood Business Park, that, that area, very high commercial industrial. We kind of joke that we know we've nailed the demographic. We've got the right location if we're within a quarter mile of a diner. <laughs> and, <laughs> And, but it, and we're in the process of opening a new location. This is, will be our, uh, our first location in Tarrant County. Um, we're looking at Northeast Tarrant County in the South Lake area, 114 in Kimball. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that'll enable us to call down into a lot of rich trade areas in the mid cities and uh, Fort Worth, obviously South Lake, Keller, Colleyville, um, Grapevine. So. Not terrific. And that's coming this summer? Yeah, sometime in the June-July uh, time frame, uh, we we plan to open. Yes. Okay. So, how do people find you? How do they connect with you if they would if they would like to learn more? Um, what? How do they find you? Okay. <laughs> so the other thing that I didn't mention is we do have a website, and if you go to TexasSecurityBank.com. Uh, that's another place where you'll find a significant amount of uh, educational resources for business owners and their key player. So uh, obviously check us out there. We're all over social media. So Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, we have a significant following on LinkedIn. Um, so just look up Tech Security Bank, con connect with us. Um, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you'll find my email, my contact information on the website okay. and uh, would love to be a resource. Even if we, 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 we don't necessarily bank together, we love business owners. We love helping business owners. And um, if you have any questions, love to talk to you. That's so great. Yeah. So we have a fun little game that I like to um, play with our <laughs> Yay. With our guests. Yay. Um, May I ask one quick question? Oh, sure. Do you sure. have a least favorite board of director? <laughs> <laughs> we won't mention his name. I, we'll, Just we'll, out we'll of curiosity. But his initials? <laughs> yeah, might be. No. We, may, we may want to start clear of that. <laughs> no, I love, hey, that's, I, I, let me tell you something. I'm so blessed with the board of directors I have. I mean, it's, it's a miracle. I mean, they, yep. they, they all. Uh, are super smart, get along, love each other. So. That's amazing. Yep. Sounds like you've created just a, a very wonderful so culture. Yeah. yeah. So fortunate. Okay, you ready for this? Uh -huh. Now you you know all the answers, so don't worry that you're going to get it wrong. Okay. Okay. We're going to play this or that. So you you choose. Dog or cat? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? Ah, uh, Netflix. Phone call or text? Depends who it is. <laughs> <laughs> if Jeff, if you're talking to Jeff, uh, I phone call. 
phone call. Okay. Thank you. Facebook or Instagram? I'm not on either of them. Okay, so this next LinkedIn. Okay, so this next one probably doesn't apply either. Instagram or TikTok? Don't do that either. <laughs> What's TikTok? I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, pool or beach? Beach. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Football or basketball? Football. Work hard or play hard? Work hard. What's worse, laundry or dishes? Uh, laundry. On, I don't mind doing the dishes. Well, you need to come to my house. Online shopping or shopping in a store? Uh, depends what it is. Um, I like shopping, you know, um, but uh, probably online. Okay. Passenger or driver? Depends who's driving. <laughs> Loaded question. If, it, if it's my wife driving, seriously, I, she's the best driver in the world. Oh. I like just chilling. And there's there's some people I don't like to be the passenger, and yeah. I'd rather be driving. But like with her, no stress. She's a better driver than me. Oh, that's nice to hear. Okay. <laughs> um, most important in a partner, intelligent or funny? Funny. Car or truck? Because most most funny people... I know. Right. Pretty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Intelligent. Car or truck? Car. Save or spend? Save. Coffee or tea? Coffee. And the last one, dine-in or delivery? Uh, dine-in. That's a good one. You got them all right? He passed. <laughs> you passed. <laughs> thanks a million. Yeah, yeah this has been fun. Great. Jeff, thanks. You're so well. Thanks Lisa, for thank coming. You. We appreciate so it. appreciate you being here. Make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Um, and be on the lookout for our next episode of Spilling the LT. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.